everyone. Uh, I wanted to welcome you to our third ever installment of Phaser Friday. Uh, we've got an exciting guest on today and a jam-packed episode. Um, but first, I want to thank our sponsors, who is ourselves. Uh, so Phaser Friday is brought to you by Phaser Marketing. Let's be honest, you either own a small business or you know somebody that does. Phaser Marketing offers a one-stop shop marketing team for your business. They stop you from wasting your valuable time trying to learn and juggle the core elements of digital marketing. If you want to focus more on what you do best, make sure to check out our website at phasermarketing.com. That's P-H-A-S-E-R marketing.com and take your business to the next level. And with that, I'm ecstatic to introduce our third ever guest on the show. I've known this guy for a very long time. A good friend of mine. He's my dad, Tim Eggerbrotten. How are we doing? Lucas Kenneth Eggerbrotten, I am doing great. How are you? I am excellent. It's so good to have you on the show. I, you know, I wish you could have had the first one, but we had to get Luke Payne on and, uh, you know, we're here now and this is, I'm just so excited to, to sit down and talk with you. So. No, it's an honor. It really is. And I'm proud of what you're doing and you're doing great with the phaser marketing. And, uh, it truly is an honor to be on here and, and, uh, talk with you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, so we can kind of just jump right into it. Um, you know, if you don't mind just telling everyone more about yourself and more about what you do and what you have done, where you grew up and things like that. Absolutely. So I grew up in Fisher, Minnesota, right between Crookston and Grand Forks, the geographical center of the entire universe. And at uh, class of 1985, there were 18 of us. And it was just awesome growing up in a small town. I knew at a very young age that I wanted to be a police officer, probably even like before kindergarten. And uh, there was a one year stint in there, like eighth grade that I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And uh, I went to Boys State and discovered that I uh, met some real lawyers and they told me it wasn't the Perry Mason thing I thought it was going to be and all the drama. And so I went back to wanting to be a cop and graduated from high school, went to Moorhead State University, the MSUM, not Mankato. And uh, it was a great four-year college career there, and I uh, started working in the Clay County Jail in Moorhead, and I worked there for three years and got to know a lot of the Moorhead police officers and and uh, went to skills training in Hibbing for eight weeks, and uh, I had graduated with my college um, criminal justice degree, and you know, then the skills training was more of the hands-on type stuff. Uh, I'd done an internship with Fargo Police Department, and that was honestly like the first taste of what a police officer actually even did. And other than that, it was just book stuff. And so the internship was excellent, met some really amazing people with the Fargo PD and, and really knew that, yeah, I want to be a cop. And, and working in the jail, I got to know a lot of the Moorhead police officers and and so I just started applying at all kinds of different agencies. And I took the map of Minnesota and we circled, you know, towns that I thought would be great, you know, like 30,000 population and bigger. And um, your mother and I got married in 1989. So, uh, so we were starting on this whole career thing together. And, and uh, Detroit Lakes wasn't on the radar at all. It was... Mm -hmm 
little too small. I thought I'd never really been here before. And, and, uh, but I just applied everywhere. It was, and got hired on or got offers from Mankato and Grand Forks Police Department and the Detroit Lakes Police Department. And Detroit Lakes was first with the offer. So I took that and then the others made offers and I thought, well, you know, we'll give Detroit Lakes a year yep. and, uh, and then move on from there. And that was 1992 and <laughs> absolutely fell in love with the community and, and what was going to be a one year gig is turned into a 25 year career here in Detroit. Right. Awesome. So, you know, when, so are you, I guess, talk a little bit about, you know, your career as a law enforcement officer and then kind of where you're at now and that transition um, into what you're doing. Yeah. So within law enforcement, I did everything in the Detroit Lakes Police Department. I was a, you know, patrolman, obviously, and a canine handler and a sergeant detector or an investigator and then uh, um, sergeant and then chief of police. And I was chief for five and a half years. And, and in Minnesota, we, have the opportunity to start drawing our pension at age 50. And at age 48, uh, I had some challenges within the chief life. And uh, I started thinking, oh, do I want to do this till I'm 55? That's kind of the optimum mm -hmm. age. And I started thinking that age 50 would be a good age to, to shift gears, not to retire, but to to shift gears out of law enforcement. And um, that year in 2016, the chief of police from Burnsville, um, Minnesota, asked me to come down and talk to his leadership team about my leadership journey. And, and he asked me to bring my guitar. And, and so I did and went down there and they had just been involved in an officer-involved shooting. And I didn't know that. And I mean, it was uh, 15 people in the room of his command staff and a lot of tension and a lot of just emotions. And we rode an emotional roller coaster. I shared some stories and some music and we laughed and cried and laughed some more. And it was, it was amazing. And then I thought, well, I can share stories and I can share some music. I've been doing music professionally for about 18 years and I thought, well, this is kind of neat. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there's professional speakers out there. I didn't really know much about them. Uh, so I started, I knew I was going to retire from law enforcement. And I started looking at maybe going out and doing speaking. And uh, and that's where it just kind of morphed into, into a professional speaking career. And um, in 2019, I had over 40 engagements all around the country. And 2020 was looking good until COVID hit. And, yeah, we'll write uh, that off. <laughs> yeah, then did a lot of virtual things, you know, yeah. to do that. But yeah, so it's kind of transitioned into still doing entertaining and uh, and sharing messages. And it's just been, it's been a powerful ride and had a great 25-year career with the police department, had a rock star staff and mm -hmm. just a nice opportunity to leave at, you know, kind of like Michael Jordan, you know, leave at the top of your game. Right. And, uh, um, I mean, honestly, the men and women that I worked with are, are nothing short of heroes. And, uh, but it was, I knew it was time if I stuck in there another five years, I thought I was going to start getting more bitter 
and mm-hmm. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to get bitter. So I like right. it. Definitely. Um, so, you know, with that transition, you know, going to basically self-employed, um, what, you know, I guess, how did your day-to-day change? I'm just always so curious about that of, you know, you, you probably had a lot of structure through your 20, 25 years. And then, you know, you, and people say, you know, retire, but you know, uh, you say more so switching gears. Yeah. Um, so what does your day-to-day look like now compared to what it did look like maybe when you were an officer? Yeah. It took a while to, to find my rhythm, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what I call my talk is finding your beat the rhythm of life. But it took a while because of that, that structure that I was used to, and then going to, to nothing and everything was, was unknown, you know, and I had never really thought about being an entrepreneur, but then I thought, well, I was a one man band for like 15 years at that time. And that's, that was a hobby. But then at, at one point in that part, I, I made a conscious decision to say, I'm going to start treating it more like a business. Each mm-hmm. gig was fun. But when I made that conscious decision to start treating it more like a business, um, at my peak, I was doing, while I was a full-time chief of police, I was doing about 130 shows a year with the music. And, um, and I could really feel that transition. Each gig was still fun. And so I found that perfect balance of, of an entrepreneurship, but it, it, none of it felt like work. And that's how I feel with, with the speaking. Um, but it definitely took, it took some discipline to, um, get up in the morning and, you know, and, and learn the, the trade, so to speak. And, uh, but I started surrounding myself with like-minded people and really built off of that and, I found the the speaking business to be very collaborative and not super competitive. I mean, it's competitive too, in a way, but other speakers were so generous with their time and knowledge and and insight. And uh, I got a coach right out of the shoot too. And that really helped. Uh, I didn't have 15 years to develop this as a career. And, and uh, so, so, but it definitely took, took that, honest intention of saying, you know, I'm going to treat this like a business. And I'm learning, you know, by talking to you and your brothers and talking to other entrepreneurs and stuff, learning every day how to, how to make it a better business. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what I love so much about, you know, myself being in business is, is just um, asking so many questions and absorbing everything and just being a sponge and even 20, 30 years down the road, when Phaser's in a different, um, you know, position, it's like, I still want to be that same person that's absorbing, that's learning, that's uh, mentoring and being a mentor and having a mentor and just always like having those connections. And um, I guess, you know, never feeling like, you know, it all because you definitely don't, you know? Right. Um, and then, so with that, I want to jump in and we've got a guest question. So we, this is new for this episode. Uh, had a couple of people that wanted to ask questions and they asked if they could do it on phaser Friday. So no, I, I no, said, I why? yeah, I said, why not? We're going to jump in here. Um, so this one, first question, uh, Olivia from Omaha. Some of you may know her. Uh, she writes, if you could tell your 25 year old self, one thing to do and one thing not to do, 
what would they be? Whoo, that's a good one. Yeah, Liv just put you on the spot too. Yeah, she did. My 25-year-old self, I was just starting out in law enforcement. And I would say that uh, what I would tell my 25-year-old self, I'd tell my 25-year-old self about meditation and mindfulness. I just discovered that at age 48. And uh, it honestly was was a game changer for me. So I would, I would apply those techniques to my law enforcement career. Um, I was kind of, I think, your typical cop when I was young and uh, where it was black and white, it was like, okay, here's the rule or the law. You know, the speed limit's 30, not 31. And, and I was just very strict. And, and uh, you had a mustache. And I had a mustache. Yeah. And I was, I was a jerk, kind of, you know. And, and I don't know that I would go back and change anything. But if I could tell my 25-year-old self, I would say, you know, don't take things so personally, um, what people are saying. And I had my trigger things that, that got me, woo, mm-hmm. you know, really mad. And, uh, but I would definitely work on uh, self-care. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think that that's a, a new trend. I think I know meditation has been around and mindfulness has been around for centuries, uh, but it's new to me. And I, and I think that um, at a 25 year old, if I would have started practicing that at that point, uh, I think that the stressors of, of a law enforcement career wouldn't have been so, so great. And, uh, and I also would have told my 25 year old self to, to find an outlet, you know, and luckily music was an outlet for me, um, for the stress that, that goes with law enforcement, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, and I, again, I don't think I would change too much, but I would, I definitely would tell my 25 year old self, uh, breathe better and yeah. um, chill out a little bit more. So, yeah, it's crazy when you, it seems like every time you look back, you, you knew you were okay. Now that you're looking back at yourself, like I look at myself back at 18 and when, when I was 18, everything seemed crazy. It seemed like the world was coming down on me. But now mm-hmm. that I'm 25, I look back and I'm like, I was okay. You know, everything was okay. And like, look what that turned me into or look how I learned from that, something like that. So I think mm-hmm. like you're saying, is just take a deep breath, calm down a little bit. Um, maybe your biggest issues are somebody else's smallest little issue you know there's there's always bigger things going on um but yeah so thank you olivia to our first guest question on phaser friday we've got one more coming up a little bit later um next thing i've got for you so you grew up in minnesota born and raised in fisher minnesota and then like you said living in detroit lakes now um what does you know smaller towns obviously fisher uh, not the center of the universe, but uh, what does community mean to you? Community is how you feel about the people that are around. You know, it, even a small community like Fisher, where there's 400 people, or a larger community like Minneapolis, you know, there are uh, friends that live in Minneapolis that still feel like it's a small town feel where they, they're running into people and and it's how you how you find people that are like-minded but you're also searching for people that that push you and make you more yeah. diverse too um 
And what we loved about Detroit Lakes right away was that community. Mm-hmm. When we first moved here, uh, your first, your oldest brother was born, and our firstborn child was born a month after we moved here. And right away, it was the people that were friendly, and we had a it was a, a friendly vibe here, I guess, in Detroit Lakes. Plus, I mean, it's gorgeous. We we moved here right. in July. I started on July first, and the Fourth of July was crazy busy and. Um, but people were so welcoming and, and I know that a lot of people, it, it still takes effort, you know, to people, you're not going to be welcomed if you're sitting in your home, you know, and it still right. takes some effort to get out there and meet people, get involved. And, uh, you know, so we got involved in the church right away. And then when you mm-hmm. guys got older, got involved in scouting and different community projects and stuff like that. And that's, I think what, what being part of a community is, is getting involved, whether you live in Minneapolis or you're living in Detroit Lakes or Fisher, Minnesota, um, becoming involved and in, in just the fact that you are involved pushes you and it gets you to meet other people and it challenges your way of thinking and which is all necessary for personal growth. And uh, I think if, you, if you're just sitting around at home Right. And you're on the computer and stuff, and that's that's your only source of information. Um, it can get skewed one way, and it's not it's not healthy, I don't think. So I think it's healthy to get out, and that's one of the biggest uh, adverse effects of COVID. I felt was mm-hmm. you know, hunkered down at home and and not getting that full sense of community like we typically get. Right, and a big part of community isn't just like letting it show up at your doorstep and let, you know, t- reaping all the benefits of a community, but it's you getting out there, getting into the community, you volunteering, you figuring out where you can help or, you know, help a business, help a small local business, um, whatever it is, go to these different events and things like that. So like you said, it, it does take effort. Um, it's not just going to come to your front door. Um, but you know, with a community like Detroit lakes or Fisher, it's, it's really about the people and the relationships and then just you know, building around that and, you know, getting involved with the community. And, uh, I know you said earlier too, you know, I thought it was really interesting with, um, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded, which is so great, but then also like surrounding yourself with people that'll push you. And I think I've really learned that, um, is so important because you can't just surround yourself with people who are going to agree with you all the time. And, um, you know, it's, you need those people that maybe have differing opinions or they do things a different way that you can have healthy conversations with and, uh, you know, see a different side, see a different side, see a different point of view, different things like that. And I think that's huge for your growth development and to continue just learning and growing like we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's crucial because it's, and what's helpful is when you get the people that will can sit like this and disagree, Mm -hmm. but what's, what's challenging or what, what I push back is when somebody says, you need to think this and you need to do that. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, let's talk about it, you know? And, right. and, and, uh, I've been blessed in the last year. I've really been pushed, uh, mentally and emotionally, um, to grow. And it's because of people that are patient, they just, dis- we disagree on a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but we also find common ground too. And, and we realize that we have, even though we come from different backgrounds or we look different, uh, we have so much in common, mm-hmm. more in common than we don't. 
and stuff we don't have in common, uh, we don't always have to agree. I mean, yeah. you have to you have to agree with what I'm saying because I'm your dad. But yeah. other than that, yeah, yeah we'll see. Um, <laughs> so, next question I want to jump into. Uh, this I think this is a really good one because you know, obviously, I've known you for 25 years, and I think this is just so interesting because it's kind of uh, it's happened in my life too. So, entrepreneurship. Um, I feel like I've just been immersed in it and it's, it's like a drug. It's a, it, I just love it, but it hasn't always been like that for me. Um, and I know it probably hasn't always been like that for you. So, uh, my next question is, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, what made you jump into being an entrepreneur, but I guess, you know, when did you notice that was kind of that shift of, you know, you thinking differently, uh, maybe more like an entrepreneur. And I guess, what has that done for you? Yeah, honestly, I didn't know what an entrepreneur even was. You know, I mean, I, I've always yeah. worked for somebody, and uh, I've always had a always had a boss and and reported, and there was mm -hmm. you know, strict guidelines to follow for everything. Everything was was strict, and uh, so I think what what got me going on it was was the music piece of it when I started doing entertaining, and uh, I remember even using the word gig. Like it sounded weird. Like well, I don't. You know, but when I told somebody I have a gig, oh, oh, aren't you Mr. Rockstar? I was like, well, no, I'm gonna go play music, and they're they're paying me fifty bucks or whatever to to yeah. play music, and so it was a gig. And then, then as I, you know, I remember calling my mom up after singing in the wedding, mm -hmm. and they gave me seventy five dollars to sing in this wedding, and it blew me away because it was songs I already knew. And, uh, and I thought, man, they're going to pay me to sing. And so that's when that ball, I think, kind of started mm -hmm. rolling. But I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know to call it entrepreneurship. And um, and it wasn't until uh, when I started speaking and I met other speakers, mm -hmm. um, became a member of the National Speakers Association. And then that's like in the last three years where it's really uh, steamrolled and it's really gotten um, in my mind. It's like on fire. But again, zero of it feels like work. Absolutely right. not. It's and people say, well, how you know how many hours are you putting in a week or whatever? I have no clue. I remember you talked on one of your last uh, interviews. Yeah, with Gage. Yeah, we yeah. talked about uh, just like if somebody asks you how many hours you put in, like, do you have any idea? And you know, he said. No clue. Definitely, right. definitely not. But it's because he Gage loves what he's doing with green stain. And I love what I'm doing with phaser. And then same thing with what you're doing. It's just, um, and you know, will there be challenges? Of course there will be, but, um, can you try and balance that to, to the best of your ability, uh, to make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing and, um, you know, just loving, loving what you're doing and not just owning a job, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting calls from organizations that say, you know, we're, we're having a conference, whether it's virtual or in person, we're having a conference and, you know, we need something that's, that's upbeat, you know, and we see you play music. So if you could do some music, that would be great. And, but we need a message. We need a powerful message. And our people are, our frontline people are tired and they don't feel appreciated. And, and so I'm sitting there on the phone thinking, okay, check, check check you know off right. duty chief and uh you know so for me to 
to go to an organization and I've spoken, you know, to 500 people where you're up there. And, and the thing about speaking is that 100% of us have a story mm -hmm. and all of us have a story that would benefit other people by telling them your story. Right. But not everybody's comfortable standing in front of a group of 500 strangers and, and opening up and I am, and I love it. And so mm -hmm. that, that part of it. So the, I think where you can, you can marry up the, the talent, you know, the ability to do that and then learning how to improve and get better. And then the business side of it. And uh, that's why I love what phaser marketing is doing is like, well, I don't want to learn what an SEO is. You know, I don't care. I, I just, but I know it'll help my business by, getting my name out there on the interweb and all that stuff, but I don't want to learn that. And so I want somebody to, I mean, there's certain things, if you're going to be serious about a business, there's certain things that you have to say, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not yeah. going to edit all my video or I'm not going to make right. my little logo thing fly around. And it would take me five hours to, to do some of these things that you guys do. And yeah. And, and that's like the biggest thing, you know, with, with what we do, it's, it's more so we're just trying to give um, business owners their time back. And it's like, you know, we don't want them to sit down and try and learn how to do a social media strategy and learn how to do graphic design and put their time into all of these digital marketing channels when we can do it, you know, what takes them maybe three days could take me three hours and could take my team 30 minutes, you know, mm -hmm. because just like you said, you know, I, you know, own up to that as well, that I can't do everything and I don't have, um, you know, the time to sit down and learn everything A to Z. So it's making sure that we have people that um, can do it better than I can and can do it better than our client can um, and get that team of like-minded people together that want to work together to give a, the client uh, what they want and then obviously what they deserve um, as far as their online visibility goes. Yeah. Um, and I want to segue kind of, you know, we were talking about, you know, your speaking and kind of who you speak to a little bit. So I guess maybe more specific question is what would be, um, like an organization, uh, that you would for sure speak to, but I guess more so like what would be your target customer, your target audience? And that's transition too, because, uh, I learned quickly about a push versus a pull Mm -hmm. You know, like phaser marketing or, or off duty chief, you know, we could say, well, this is my program and this is what you're going to get. You know, right. that's, the, that's the push. Or you could listen to your clients and, and people are saying, well, this is what we're looking for. This is our, mm -hmm. this is what's keeping us up at night. And, uh, you know, we need something upbeat right now or whatever it is. And so, so what started out speaking with, uh, law enforcement leaders. I still speak with some law enforcement, uh, but it's it's transitioned into um, social workers, teachers, um, nurses, dispatchers, emergency dispatchers, mm -hmm. and people. You know the the kind of people that are working behind the scenes, financial people, um, like the financial administrators that, mm -hmm. that work behind the scene and they're not really the flashy people. 
And I think they, they feel like they're sitting there thinking, does anybody know we're, we're even out here? But without them, that organization is going nowhere fast. And uh, so those are the kind of people that if I could pick my like ideal audience, mm-hmm. are those people that, that are feeling we're on the front lines here, we're frustrated, we're tired. Uh, we need something, something to boost our, our motivation a little bit. And, and it's more than just fluff and I'm not up there right. just cheering and stuff. I'm giving them real life tactics that they can apply to and plug and play into their life. Um, nothing that I've invented, but just from a, mm-hmm. almost a 28 year career um, in law enforcement and criminal justice, that dealing with that toxic and that negative crap, but still finding the, the good in things. And it's, it's, it's uh, so rewarding talking to a group like that and having people come up and say, you know, you've changed my life. And I, mm-hmm. I'm humble enough to say, I didn't change your life. You know, I'm just, I'm just a guy right. using the gifts that I have with music and music speaks to everybody. And that's why I love injecting music into the, the presentation. But um, I'm just a guy sharing stories and some techniques that have worked for me and, and hopefully they'll work for you. And it, uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's very humbling to have an hour of people's time and to use that time uh, judiciously and properly and leave, let them leave with a feeling of a little skip in their step and like, I'm going to try these things at home and, and apply these to my life and, and see what happens. Yeah. And I, I really like how you mentioned <clears throat> how you're not just trying to like throw in a bunch of fluff and like, you know, so many times you do see that where it's, it's a lot of icebreakers and these games and just all these uh, happy go lucky uh, things. But, you know, you also said too, that you're not reinventing the wheel, like what you're saying you didn't invent, you know, you're just taking your story um, and, you know, putting together your presentation and, you know, there's, I've, you know, listened to it a few times and there's so many things that go into it, but it's also a lot of it is, um, reminders to people of like things you can do right now to help and, you know, positive thinking and, you know, what you can do if you start to feel, um, like some negative stress coming on and different things like that. And then you just kind of incorporate your other skills with it, you know, with the music, and just being comfortable talking to people, uh, people that you don't know, you know, 500 strangers in a room, not everyone can do that. So it's just really cool that you feel comfortable enough to use your talent and your skills. And I know there's a lot of organizations and businesses that are thankful uh, for you for doing that and uh, just offering up your services uh, to help other people. Um, On that note, we've got another guest question. So, We've got Blake from Argusville, North Dakota. He's got a question for you. And this is uh, more related to your speaking. Uh, He says, when you are up on stage telling your story, what is a fear that pops up and how do you overcome it? You know, I honestly, I can honestly say I don't have any fears really. I've, I've been on stage so much, um, for, for years, you know, music and, and singing at weddings and funerals and different things. Mm -hmm. And honestly, uh, I used to get nervous 
when I would sing, especially like in church or in front of people. Um, but it was years ago, I was singing for a beautiful 16 year old girl from Detroit Lakes here who passed away. And I was singing for her funeral. And I remember singing and I was thinking, if my music or the music that I'm singing can make that family's day a little bit better, then what else is there? And that was honestly the, the moment that it flipped for me that it wasn't about me. I was getting nervous because I was thinking, what if I make a mistake or, or what if, you know, I don't sing the right notes or whatever. And what if people laugh or don't like the song or, but when I flipped that around and, and recognized that it has nothing to do with me is gifts. We've all been given. Everybody's been given some kind of a gift and knowing what that gift is. And I'm sharing my gift for the people out there. So I'm sharing stories. So I honestly don't get like nervous or, or scared because I, I remind myself that, uh, that these stories and these experiences are for them. I mean, it's for the people out there. And this interview, somebody tuning in on this, you just don't know where they're going to be in life. And some of the best experiences I've had for these big audiences is when the waitress will come up afterwards and, you know, and she was kind of hiding in the back, you know, refilling the coffee pots or whatever. And not an intended, um, target of my stories or anything but when the when the waitress would come up afterwards and say your story about norman or your dad or whatever really moved me and that's the kind of stuff those unintended right and when we remind ourselves that uh you know to get over ourselves you know it's not about us um so i think that's the biggest key is to reality check and why are we doing what we're doing? Why, mm -hmm. why are you running, you know, phaser marketing? Why do orthodontic uh, people, why do they straighten teeth? Why, you know, I mean, figure out your why. And when you get yeah. your why figured out, the rest kind of falls into place. Yeah. And it's so interesting because it all just ties together with what we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, loving what you do, like as an entrepreneur. And if you kind of flip the script and find your why, um, and you know, why you love to do it and, you know, who are you helping and, uh, you know, focus more on that instead of yourself. Uh, I, I, I can see that shift in loving what you do as far as entrepreneurship and small business and, uh, you know, really appreciating the work that you're doing. So great question, Blake killed it with that one. Um, what one part of, of North Dakota is that person from? Uh, Argusville. It's a uh, Blake Richards. Shout out Blake. Um, right. he lives in Omaha now, but so, uh, next question kind of touches on, uh, what we talked about, uh, a little bit ago, but somebody out there listening, um, that's been keeping up with phaser marketing or maybe keeping up with what you're doing. There's so many roadblocks. It feels like, uh, you know, to starting a business. And so maybe they're just thinking like, Oh, I'll never be able to start a business because I'll probably need a big pile of money or, you know, I don't have the right tools or skills. Um, so somebody listening, you know, if somebody has a hobby and they kind of want to turn that into a business, uh, what advice do you have for them to 
uh, I guess, to get started or, you know, to turn that into a business? Just do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get out of your head. Yeah. Um, you know, I, up until like, I think it was two years ago, I first heard the phrase negative self-talk. I've been doing it all my life, but I, I didn't really have a name for it. But that negative self-talk, that voice in your head thinking, telling you, yeah, I don't know if you're ready for this or should you be doing this or who's going to buy whatever it is you're selling or who yeah. needs to know this, whatever. But try to silence that voice a little bit. You don't want to go all off overconfident either. Right. And, oh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm the biggest thing around. But, um, but when you try and you, and you fail – you get better and you keep going. Um, so I would say definitely do whatever it is you, you are, if it's a hobby right now, mm -hmm. um, once you get your why figured out, well, why do you even want to make this, these birdhouses and sell them? You know, do you really mm -hmm. like making birdhouses or whatever your hobby is? Um, when you figure out your why, and then you, you start to make it happen. And then just like, super you know indulge yourself in information with the computers and and the internet and maybe a little more time during covid uh there's all kinds of opportunities out there people experts in their field doing webinars and uh, and giving free information glom on to all that free information and and apply it utilize it and so those, that's the second thing you know a third thing would be to surround yourself, like we said earlier, with with people that are going to build you up, support you, but still challenge you. And uh, you know, you want to the toxic people that are going to feed that negative voice, mm -hmm. get them out of there. And uh, there's no place for that. But um, but people that are with you that are realistic, and they're going to support you. Um, surround yourself with them. And just dive into it and learn everything about that field. And don't go off on tangents. Stay, mm -hmm. you know, pick a lane and stay with that lane. And it's so easy to, oh, look at that over there. And yo, look at that. Oral, and, yeah. Yep. And you you lose sight of, okay, well, what am I, what am I staying focused on? And then the rest will just kind of will come. The success will be there. I mean, just stick with it long enough and and know when to say when too, I guess. But that's for sure. Challenge. Yeah. And I know, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, having realistic people around you. Cause I think that's big too, is having, um, friends that are going to support you through everything, but also tell you when an idea really sucks and, you know, let's think about this or let's talk to more people and not just jump for this, um, without any resources. So, um, you also talked about consistency which I've heard so many times, um, you know, people try and start a business, you know, they do it for a few months, they do it for six months, maybe one year even. And um, it just, they don't see the traction they want. And, you know, they kind of put it off to the side. And I, I know that's big with podcasts. Um, it's just like the consistency of it. So I think if you can just keep going and yeah, turn like, why are we doing this? Like, why do we want to keep doing this? And um, have fun with it, try and have fun with it. Um, if you can, you know, if, you know, try and work other jobs and, or keep your full-time job so you can do this on the side, maybe that'll help, um, 
keep it more fun for you and just uh, an enjoyment. And then as you're building it, then you can kind of make that transition over to maybe doing it full-time and being like a full-time business owner. Yeah. So many people in their jobs, they treat it like a prison sentence and they're marking off the days till they retire. I've seen it in cops and uh, in every field. And they're like, oh, well, I've got four years, 39 days, six hours and 17 minutes, you know, and it's like, well, if that's the quality, you know, and people would tell me all the time, well, yeah, well, you can play guitar. I don't play guitar. Well, you don't have to play guitar. I right. Mean, it's not the find point. Find your gifts and find what you what you love to do and your passion. And and uh, and it's not easy for everybody. I get right. that. And it's not everybody all of a sudden says, well, you know, and I'm lucky, I guess, because I've always known, mm-hmm. you know, and the speaking is my passion. I mean, I want to talk to people and organizations and help them uh, recognize, you know, and when a happy employee, a happy frontline employee raises their, their bottom line. I mean, they're in, in a business to make money. And so when the business has happy employees, you know, and I love doing that. Right. So yeah. A- no, I just, I think that's so awesome. And, you know, I think we touched on so many points here today of just, you know, obviously your story and your, your history, but then also entrepreneurship, small business. And what, what I love, you know, about, obviously you're my dad, but just like how we talk professionally and just, mm-hmm. um, we don't pretend like we know everything, but we also, um, you know, will like, if say for digital marketing, like you also kind of have to say, like, I may know more than this person. If they're asking for help, like maybe mm-hmm. I can help and be willing to kind of take that call. And, you know, it, that was probably one of the toughest things for me was to admit that I may be the expert in this situation. And I just, I, I hate that. I don't love doing that, but, um, you know, with, we're a digital marketing agency, we need to own that and just be like, you know, it's okay if we know more about this than you, because you know so much more about this than we do. So let's work together and we can help. So, um, yeah, it's been, you know, it's been fun just like, talking business with you and going through this together. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're still so new into this. We have many years ahead of uh, ups and downs and growth and, you know, continuing to learn and grow and just uh, most importantly, enjoy the ride of, of this life and business. Yeah. I have three gigs booked for 2068. I think it is. (laughs) Uh, so I'll be 102, but I, I'm going to keep booking them. And, uh, so yeah, we got a lot of years to do this stuff. Did they, uh, did they make a down payment on that or? No, I haven't required a down payment. I did lock into uh, my 2018 rates. And, uh, so I said, you know, in 2068, I'll, it'll just be the same rates as 2018. Hopefully we make it there. So. Oh yeah, I have to, I'm committed. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, Last thing I've got, um, if you just want to tell everyone uh, a good way to contact you or a good way to kind of follow along with what you're doing or even hire you for your services, uh, what would be the best way to get a hold of you? My website is offdutychief.com and uh, email, everything's on there, all my contact information. Um, I'm also on social media, um, you know, the, the big ones, the Facebook. I haven't figured out Twitter so much yet. I'm on Twitter, but it's still foreign to me, yeah. but uh, yeah, check me out on Facebook. Um, 
Snapchat. That's a new one, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's that? Instagram. Yep. So all of those things, I'm 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 clumsy with them, but I'm on there. And uh, but offdutychief.com is my website with all the information on how to get a hold of me. And uh, I'd love to come to your organization and talk and play awesome. some music. Yeah, I love it. Well, thanks again so much, Dad, for joining me on the third phase of Friday. I'm excited to launch. Uh, this will be coming out, you know, today is April 30th. So last Friday of the month, every or last Friday of the month, every month, we're going to come out with a new installment. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on and uh, I'm excited to see you soon. All right. Thank you, Louie. No problem. Talk, talk, talk to you later. Bye.